Tonight we will be in 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Second Samuel chapter 9, and we will be in all 13 verses. All 13 verses. Before I preach, or before I even read the text, one thing I want to bring forth, and actually me and Roy, on the way here, we're speaking about this is that when we read the scriptures, we are looking at parts of the whole. We are looking at historical facts in the Old Testament of what God is doing in redemption, but also at the same time, the Lord gives us shadows and types. And He gives us glimpses of what God will do for us in Christ. And in this text that we're going to go through, there is a, you could go right through this text and you could talk of David, you could talk of what he does, and you could talk of what, how he does what he does, the temper and the manner that he does it, and how he takes care of Mephibosheth. And that would be perfectly fine. That's the historical account of what God has given us. But in this short little story, we see Christ our Lord. In many different ways we see Him. And I hope and I pray that the Lord open our eyes that we would see our Lord and His pity and His compassion and how He sought us and how He came after us and that he is one who seeks sinners. He did not just demonstrate that through this, but we can look in the New Testament account, having the full revelation of God's word, and we can see that Christ, when he came, was the revelation of God to men, so that man would be reconciled back to him, that man would know him for who he is. We can speak of the testimony of Second Peter in the first chapter, how the knowledge of God is the divine power that he gives unto us, and, and knowing him is what equips us for all the good works that we're called into. So in this chapter that we're going to go through uh, this evening, set, help, I'm going to try guiding us through this text and that we would see our Lord, we would see him as king, and we'd see him as a king that takes his gospel forth, but he takes his gospel forth in kindness. He takes his gospel forth in a manner of revealing himself to people that are not worthy to have, it, have himself revealed unto them. All of us know that every single one of us in our life, we were not worthy of having the gospel preached to us, let alone it, its effectual call coming to us and bringing us from death to life. Yeah. And now, all the more, that now that we know him, being able to daily get in his word and daily to learn of him by the teaching of the Holy Spirit, the spirit that 
Christ has won for us the earnest of our inheritance that we can know him and be taught of God. So in this, I'm going to go through it and I'm going to show forth the narrative, but at the same time, I pray and I hope God Almighty fill me and use me to bring us to an understanding more of what Christ has done and what Christ will do in the generations to come. I believe at points we have a false view of God's mercy. That we want our children to be saved, but God Almighty would restrain mercy to save them. We pray sometimes without conviction that Christ is not suffering any to perish, but that all should come to repentance. We think ourselves more merciful than the God who sits in heaven, who bore with us 20-some years, many years in our life. Every, every day that he's had to bear with us from our conception, as our brother spoke of this morning. From our conception, we were liars. From our conception, we went the wrong way. And God had to come in patience and kindness, reveal himself to us, open up our blinded eyes to see him for who he is, and work in us a love for him. Because apart from him working in us a love for him, we would not love him and serve him. So we must see. We can read the accounts. We can read the all the testimonies of Christ redeeming sinners, Christ redeeming the most vilest of sinner, as Paul said. But then at the same time, for some reason, we can pray as if we are more merciful than God. That he is not sitting on his throne, ruling and reigning, and taking his kingdom forth. And that he is conquering rebel sinners unto himself. And he is showing he's not a God that just loves, but his, God, his love is a compassionate love, a love that yearns, a love that goes forth, a love that carries forth in time. That he loved us so much, as our brother preached even last week, that when, when we were without strength, Christ died for ungodly sinners. And David, in this text, we are going to see a man that is moved by God. To display the kindness, not of David, but of God. So before we open even the text, I'm going to ask the Lord to help us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fullness of your word being brought forth in the fullness of time in your son. We thank you, Lord, for the testimony of your word. That we don't have to look for any other revelation. But Lord, you have revealed yourself unto us in the fullness of time through your Son. That we would know you. That Christ is the representation of yourself. Father, we bless you for your word. We bless you for all the shadows and types that cannot even come close to put forth Christ. But Lord, it it allows us to see you for who you are. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your condescension to us. We thank you for the preach word this morning. We thank you for the edification among the brothers this day. We thank you for just the kindness bestowed upon us from the food and all the things that you've taken care of us. Father, you are good and your ways are good. 
Show us more of your goodness this night. Help us to honor you. Help us to glory only in you. For you alone are worthy. We plead this in Christ's name. Amen. In, this, in 2 Samuel chapter 9, we'll go into our text. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul, that I may show him the kindness, show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan, but he is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Micar, the son of Amuel at Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Micar, the son of Amuel, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat my table, eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant? That you should show regard for a dead dog such as I. Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belong to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. Before we get to the text, what I want to do before I even get to the text is kind of give you a, a, a summary of what has happened so far in 2 Samuel. In the first chapter of 2 Samuel, you'll, you'll see that you see that David hears of Saul and Jonathan's death and mourns. You see, David, a, a king who, a, a man who was anointed king, who was not yet put into place, hears of his own enemy's death, Saul, and his greatest friend's death on the same day, Jonathan. And he mourns and he weeps over the mighty falling. In 2 Samuel 2, we see David made king of Judah, but Ishbosheth, 
was over the kingdom of Israel, Saul's son. Now, during this time, you see Ishbosheth. whenever a king falls and another one's put in his way, a lot of times there is a, a derision. There's things that happen. And during this time, there's a great, there's a great striving in 2 Samuel 2 and 3 between Ishbosheth's kingdom and David's kingdom. Ishbosheth's kingdom is dwindling while David's kingdom is being exalted and David's kingdom is strengthening. In 2 Samuel 4, we see Ishbosheth lose his kingdom. Only a couple years, and Ishbosheth loses his kingdom. He is murdered by his own people. We see that throughout the scriptures in the historical books that kings are put into place, and when they die, a lot of the times they die by the people that are following them. But we see Ishbosheth murdered, and we see those men come to David and say, Look what we've done. And we see David at that point, just like he did when Saul died, commanding, Those people must fall, those people must die. And then we see him, him anointed as king over Israel and Judah in chapter 5. In chapter 6, we see the ark of God being brought back. Well, let me, let me, in, in chapter 6, we see, sorry. In chapter 5, we see David bring, bring about a triumph over Jerusalem in making the city of David, the city of Zion. It's the first time in all the scriptures where we see Zion named. And then in chapter 6, we see God Almighty putting his throne in Jerusalem with the ark being brought up to Jerusalem. And David bringing the ark up to Jerusalem, it was God Almighty putting his stamp upon Jerusalem that he is king over Jerusalem. And before God anoints David king, God sets himself up as king, for the king dwells between the cherubims on the ark. In 2 Samuel 7, we see God's condescension to David and God's love for the people of Israel by making David king and setting him up and, setting a, and making a covenant with David. If you just flip over to chapter 7 real quick, I want to go through this because I believe it's important and pertinent to our sermon. In verse 12, he says, when your days are fulfilled, he's promised him that he will bless him and that through him the, the kingdom would go forever. And he says, when your days are fulfilled and you lie with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom forever. We see that David is not the end, but the type with this. We see that when you lie down with your fathers, when you die, I'm still going to carry forth the kingdom. And then you see in verse 16, in your house and your kingdom shall be sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And then in verse 8, we see David thwarting and pulling down all the other enemies. We see him bringing down the Amalekites. We see him bringing down the Moabites, the Philistines. We see him taking not only his throne in dominion, but he's also going out in the land. 
And then we see him appoint officials, and we see that his house is set up in equity and justice. As we see in chapter 8, verse 15, a measure of justice and equity to all his people. Now this brings us up to our text. One thing before we even get to the text, another thing that we need to get to, is that when we read our Bibles, we see in chapter 8, we see his victories, we see all these things that are happening. And in chapter 9, we kind of believe it's right after chapter 8. By what we see here, we believe that it's, okay, the next day, and David said. Now that he's established his kingdom, now that he's done his work, now that he's shown himself a warrior, and then David said. And that's not the case in this, in this context. How I will show this is from at the end of this, we see Mephibosheth, a man that is an older man who has a young child. And in chapter 4, verse 4, we learn of Mephibosheth. We learn that Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and, up and fled. And as she fled in her haste, he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. So in, in this chapter, we, we learn in chapter 4 that the day that Saul and Jonathan died, he was only five years old. And then David's put in his kingdom. And in seven years, he's reigning over Israel and in Judah. So Mephibosheth is only 12 years old. And he does his, 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 uh, his victories. And he goes out and he fights in his battles. And it comes to a time, it's as if David was sitting down. And he was thinking back on what had happened. And he said, Jonathan, my friend. It's as if he remembered back to Jonathan, my friend. Jonathan, who I loved with my own soul, who loved me as his own soul. I made a covenant with Jonathan. I made a covenant with Jonathan that I would take care of him and his people if he should live. And he gets to, he gets to this point and we see a king inquiring for a person. We see a king inquiring that he might show kindness for one of his friend's sake. In verse 1 of chapter 9, we see it. And David said, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I might show the kindness for Jonathan's sake? He was, he was seeking out. He was looking to the men that were around him, the men that God had put around him. And he was saying, Is there anyone that I can show, the ki- show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Is there anyone out of the overflow and out of what he had promised to Jonathan that I might show him kindness? That word kindness there is the same word of the covenant kindness of God for his people. Mercy, kased, or loving kindness, or steadfast love. We see David here is saying that 
I want to dispense, I want to show my kindness towards Jonathan. And he's seeking out, and then there's someone that mentions, there's a man named Seba. Have you heard of this man named Ziba? He's of the house of Saul. He was a servant of the house of Saul. His name was Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king, and the king said, Are you Ziba, the one that I've heard of? That is of the house, the servant of the house of Saul. And he said, I am your servant. So we see David inquiring. David looking, David desiring to look and to dispense this kindness, this covenant kindness to another. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I might show the kindness of God to him? In this verse, I believe we're seeing forth that he first said, Jonathan's sake. And now he's saying the house of Saul. And, that, and then he uses the kindness of God. Not the not kindness, the covenant kindness that I, that I had towards Jonathan. That we made in, in chapters, 1 Samuel chapters 20 and 1 Samuel chapters 18. But he's saying... Is there not someone of even my enemy that when I dealt with Saul, when, I, when Saul was hunting me down, when Saul was coming after me, is there not someone of his family, my enemy who tried hunting me down, is there not someone of his family that I can show mercy to? The kindness of God it's the same word to him an enemy David not looking to bless just those who blessed him but David looking to dispense the mercy of God knowing God had dealt mercifully with David and Ziba said to the king there is still a son of Jonathan. Now, David didn't know about this son of Jonathan because the thing is, when, when he led and he, he fled from Ishbosheth and he fled out of the kingdom of his father for his life when the servant lady took him away, no one knew because he was in hiding because his life was in danger. Because he was one that they could bring up to the kingdom and up to the throne at any time. But now there's a king that's looking for one to dispense kindness to. And Ziba doesn't know for sure. But he says, yes, there is still a son of Jonathan. He's still, there's still a son. But it's almost... With a sobering, with a, with, in, in the Hebrew, it's only a couple words. And it says, crippled in feet. This is a man that's lame in his feet. He's not only the great, I really wish I could. He's crippled in his feet. So he's not one that can do anything for you, David. 
He's not one that you probably even want in your courts. Because there was rules and there was things with having those that were lame in the courts of the priesthood. And there was those, these, these were people that were outcasts. And he says, but you must know first. David, you're this one that you're seeking, this one that you're looking to show the kindness of God to. He's lame on his feet. And as I already alluded to, he was lame on his feet by his fleeing and a fall when he fell. This should bring to mind of our fall, of all mankind's fall, that we all fell in Adam, that we all were maimed, we all were crippled, we all could not satisfy God. We all were those that were born of a woman, born under sin, born under condemnation, born not able to please God, not able to come into his courts, sons of the devil. He says, David, first before you say this, before you go on, you must know one thing. This man is crippled. This man fell. He doesn't even mention his name. The only reason we know it's Mephibosheth is because we read the text, and if we were good stewards of the word, we might remember, okay, maybe this is talking about that one that just mentioned for one verse in chapter 4. And he goes on, and the king said to him, where is he? Where is this one that I can dispense this mercy to? Where is this one? Where do I have to go to find him? So he shows the inquiry, and he shows even when Ziba said, you might be getting into something bigger than what you think. You might be uh, taking upon yourself something more than what you probably want to take on yourself. He said it prompted him to inquire all the more. Well, where is he? How can I help him? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Micah, the son of Emmuel, at Lodabar. That word Lodabar means desolation. That means without anything, it means pastureless. So not only do we have a cripple, not only do we have one who is an enemy, should be an enemy of David, by him coming through the loins of Saul. But we see here that he was a one that lived in desolation. He was one that lived in a place of pastorlessness, and not a fruitful land, hidden. But we see King David sent, send for him. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Micah, the son of Emuel at Lodabar. That word sent in, in, in verse 5, in, in verse 5 is, is this, and brought him, that word brought him is the same word as when Moses was brought out of the water. When he was a baby and uh, his mom put him in the water when he was picked up out of the water. That's the same word. He was seized upon. And he brought him out of the house of Micah, the son of Emuel, 
at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. The word Mephibosheth, the name Mephibosheth means shameful thing. It, it was a name that after he fell, it's almost as if the scriptures say they named him shameful thing because he was lame on his feet. Because after he fell, then the name Mephibosheth came out. We see Mephibosheth coming humbly before David. We see him, he, he fell on his face and he paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. He said, Behold, I am your servant. Whatever you want, whatever you require of me, I will do. And David said to him, Do not fear. What words could be more beautiful? Yes. A king. Bid by a king. And the first word he says when you're in fear and trembling is do not fear. For I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat at my table always. We see David. Not only willing. to bless Mephibosheth, but to restore everything he lost when he had to flee. And not only that, he says to him, you shall eat at my table. You should hold communion with me. He paid homage and said, What is your servant? That you should show regard for a dead dog such as I. We see all the kindnesses, all the things that David had put forth to give unto Mephibosheth. And we see the kindness is what made him humble. We see the kindness of David is what made him low. He said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? This is man's response. Should be man's response to the goodness of God. Who am I that I should know you? Who am I that you would ask me to come into your courts? Who am I that you would even regard me? We see the kindness 
that Mephibosheth did not come thinking that he was going to be welcomed into his courts and that he was going to receive all these things from a king. But he's one, as David's saying these things, he's one that's just poured out before David. And he's one that says, what is your servant that you should show regard for someone like me? Such is the sinner's response to the goodness of God. Such should be the sinner's response to the goodness of God. And not only that, the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house, I give to my master's grandson. I give it to you, Mephibosheth. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your masters eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. We see him not only take care, and so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Not only that he would take care of him, but he would take care of him with every need being taken care of. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. My brothers and sisters, in this text, We see men. We see mankind. We see mankind, all that fell in Adam. And we see God's kindness in His Son to bring back and to give them all things to take care of. The greatest kindness the Lord can do is show us himself. I really wish I put this forth better, but I think it's time for me to stop. In this we see a man that was lame, a man that fell, but we see a king that went and brought a man that did not deserve to be in his courts unto himself, just like he did for us yes, Lord. through Christ. I wish I could have put Christ forth better. I didn't do the job that I was called to do. But Christ came and he has shown us his kindness God has showed himself to us through his son. The greatest revelation of himself he has revealed unto us in Christ. And his kindness, his kindnesses are what brought us into his kingdom.
His patience, his goodness, as it says in Romans 2, is what brought us to repentance. His kindness is his revelation of himself to us. David being the type. Seeking to save that which was lost. Not suffering. Not suffering. None to perish. But it all would come to repentance. And he only brings about repentance by his patience and kindness displayed towards us. Everything we have received, everything I have received that is good comes from him. And the greatest thing he has showed to us is his own self. And David sat with a man that did not deserve to be in his courts. And he communed with him daily. It says even at the end that he was crippled. And lame ended the story that he wasn't a man that was able to do anything for himself. But he clinged and he stayed at the king's table. And he had all things given unto him by being at the king's table. Brothers and sisters, let us go to the king's table. Let us fly to him and receive his kindnesses. And to put forth his kindnesses that he has demonstrated to us in his son. David the type. Christ the anti-type. Christ the fullness. The king that came to seek and to save that which was lost. I wish there was words. A man that God would consider us. All the more, brothers and sisters, all the things that Christ has given unto us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that we can come into his throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need, that he is not one that's not touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was touched at all points like we are, yet without sin. He is so good. It is... And his longing for us is to come to know more and more of his goodness, as Mephibosheth did to David. We are weak, but he is strong. The Lord is strong and mighty, he is king. And he reigns upon his throne. I just want to bring this out. I've been done. But I just want to bring this out. That in the Acts of the Apostles. And throughout the entirety of the scriptures. When it speaks of David and the covenant. The everlasting covenant. The apostles preached Christ enthroned. The apostles preached that he was the one who raised and that David spoke of him. 
What a covenant we have. We're the covenant-keeping God. Let's pray.